0: Thank you, Casey, and good evening, everyone. So I live in Bozeman, Montana, and we do a program called Summer Job Project. And there's a, there's a picture of this summer's team, and they're up in the mountains that are only about 20 miles from town. Summer Job Project is we invite Chi Alpha students like yourself to come for three months to Bozeman, Montana. We have a residential Chi Alpha Center, so we live together in community. We already have jobs that are provided, so you'll already have a job. You'll earn income, which pays your way. And if you're really frugal, you can save $1,000 or $1,500 towards your college expenses. And then on the weekends, we do mountain adventures. We're in beautiful places like this. It's a summer of incredible recreation, but it's also a summer of spiritual formation because we are literally together for three months, 24-7, playing, working, praying, being together, eating meals together. And when that happens, there's a life-on-life effect where Jesus is really able to do something deep in our lives. So if you love the outdoors, and if that's something that might interest you, I'll have some some postcards here, and I'll leave those with Daniel. And if you're interested, you can pick up one from him. So as Casey mentioned, I'm a product of Caiapha. So back in 1973, I was a student like yourself, getting a degree in electrical engineering. And there was a group of students on my campus that weren't just church kids, but they were living a biblical lifestyle. And they were making noise on our campus because they were sharing the gospel and they were in having some controversy with the student newspaper. And it was really through their witness that I came to know the Lord. So I literally am the product of Chi Alpha. Now it was 46 years ago. And instead of pursuing a degree in electrical engineering, the Lord really made it clear to me that he wanted me to work with students and disciple students. So I did what Daniel did for 30 years at Montana State University, and for the last 14 years have been a national field staff. So you guys, what you are doing is incredibly significant, because there are people that are watching your life, and as we give testimony, as we mention the name of Jesus, as we give signals to people that I'm a follower of Jesus, the Lord is going to use your life to touch other people. Because there's people on this campus that need to know Jesus, don't they? There's people in your classes, the people that you walk by every day. See, some of those are ready to give their lives to Jesus. And Jesus is going to use you in a powerful way to be a witness to them. So after I, I came to know the Lord, not only did I get connected with this life-giving community called Kiafa, but I also got connected with my local church, which is is called Christian Center Church. And in Christian Center Church, I met a an elderly grandmotherly lady. And, and this woman saw that God was something doing something significant in this college student. And so Sister Matheson would invite me home after church and she cooked the most wonderful fried chicken. Mashed potatoes, buttered peas, homemade apple pie with ice cream. And this college student was in heaven. And Sister Matheson, her husband, had passed away several years before, so she was a widow. But she would invite me to her her, her little house, and she would cook these incredible meals. And while we would be enjoying fellowship together, she told me stories. Because she and her husband pioneered Assembly of God churches in the 1930s. And they literally went out with no money, no support. They trusted God, and God supernaturally provided everything that they need. And so I was, I was wowed by Sister Matheson's stories. And I wanna tell you my favorite Sister Matheson story. So she said that times were hard because the, the depression of the 1930s had swept across the country, and that meant 25% of the people lost their jobs. That meant no income. Times were hard. It was tough to get jobs. And they were in this small town in Montana planting a church. And one day, Sister Matheson said, my husband came home in the middle of the day. And I knew that was odd because he normally worked at a tin shop. And so when he came in the door, I could tell by the expression on his face that something tragic had happened. I said, honey, what's wrong? And, 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 and with... Uh, with a sound of despair in his voice, he said, I just lost my job. And, of course, that meant no income. How, how are we going to feed our family? How are we going to continue to, to plant a church? And, and Sister Matheson said, it just almost like this cloud of despair just settled over, over my shoulders. And at that moment, she was just ready to go downstairs into the cellar where they had a coal bin because they heated and they cooked with coal. So she went down into the coal bin, and, and, and she got down on her hands and knees, and she said, Dick, I, I prayed through. That's, that's an old Pentecostal term. You ever heard that, prayed through? See, what that means is that you don't just pray once, but you stay on your knees until you receive an assurance that God is going to answer the prayer. And she said, "I you know, she was in my skirt, I knelt down in the, in the dust of the coal bin And I reminded Jesus that he fed two and a half million Jews while they were in the wilderness, provided instant breakfast, called manna every morning. If he could do that, he could provide for us. And she said, I just reminded Jesus of his promises. And the Lord gave me an assurance after about 45 minutes of praying that Jesus would take care of us. She said, there was a few fragments of coal left in the bin. I put those in my coal bucket and I went upstairs and went about my day. Well, she said, the next morning, I knew there was no coal left because I had emptied the bin the day before. But the Holy said, Sister Matheson, you just praise me. And so she bounced down the stairs. You know, she was an older lady with gray hair, but she was a young lady at that time. She bounced down the stairs, and she said, I went to the coal bin. There was enough coal for another day. And I said, thank you, Jesus, went about my day. The next day, same thing. I knew there was no coal, but the Holy Spirit just praised me. And she did. She went down, and she said, there was coal enough for another day. And she said, not only did God supernaturally multiply coal in our coal bin, but we would have people stop by at dinner time. And pe- because times were hard, people had little to eat. You know, they just, they just didn't have much to eat. And a family would come to our house, and, and she said, I would have cooked enough food for our family of five, that's all. But she said, Dick, I couldn't turn him away. Jesus would never do that. So I'd invite him into the dining room, and we'd all pack around our, our, our table, and I'd go out to the food, you know, and, and I'd say, Jesus, whatever you're doing with the coal, do with the chicken, the mashed potatoes, amen. She said, I would take him out, take the food out in serving bowls. We would pass it around, and in the natural, there would not have been enough food to feed everybody, But Jesus multiplied the food. And not only did everybody get a full meal, but there was leftovers because Jesus supernaturally multiplied the food. And this went on for six months. Six months later, my husband was rehired at the tin factory, which meant now we have a salary and income. And she said, the morning I went down to check the coal bin, there was nothing. See, the supernatural provision stopped because now we had money to buy Food and clothing and coal once again. And see, that this example and story of Sister Matheson really kicked me into a journey of how do we allow the supernatural power of God to work through our lives? And I was challenged. I thought, how can I live a life like Sister Matheson lived? And I believe I found my answer in John chapter 5. In John chapter 5, Jesus said, goes to a certain part of the temple, and all of the t- disabled people, all of the people that were injured and hurt, people that the medical community of that day could not help, they were all at, a, at one place in the temple. And in John chapter 5, Jesus goes to this place of great need, and on this day, he heals one person. Now, sometimes the Bible says Jesus healed everybody. I mean, they brought sick people, blind people, injured people, lame people. They brought them in, in, in lines, and it says that Jesus healed every one of them. But on this day, he healed one man. It was a Sabbath day, and the Pharisees did not like that. And they criticized the man because Jesus, after healing him, says, you know, take, take up your pallet and walk. So he did. And and so the Pharisees, they learned it was Jesus. And so they confronted Jesus. And and they said, why are you doing these things on the Sabbath day? And here's the answer that Jesus gave to them. This is found in John 5, 19. Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing of himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does. Now, so in this verse, I got some insight as to how Jesus operated. See, Jesus carried on this perfect communion, this perfect conversation with the Father at all times. And so every time Jesus did something, he did not do it because there was a need, nor did he do it because he himself was initiating ministry, but he did it because the Father was speaking to him. And that, that, the, this particular day, Jesus healed one man. Why? Because the father said, son, I'm healing one man that had been paralyzed for 38 years. Other days, the father said, son, I'm healing everyone. So Jesus only did what the father told him to do. That means there was no healing. There was no miracle. There was not even a word that proceeded from Jesus' mouth unless he heard the father speak. See, brain science, and man, we have learned so much about the brain in the last 10 years, haven't we? It's amazing the what the research is showing. And, and brain scientists say that we are wired to carry on an internal dialogue with the Holy Spirit. See, you are wired to be in touch with God. Just like Adam and Eve in the beginning before sin entered. They had perfect communion with the Father, didn't they? They, 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 there was unsullied, uncontaminated communication. And the Bible says that at certain times, God would come in the cool of the day and they would have face-to-face chats, you know. If Adam was having trouble with the rhododendrons, he could say, Father, how do I do this? And he would receive counsel from the Father. See, that's the way it was in the beginning. And I believe that's what Jesus came to restore, see, for each one of us. That we can have a renewed fellowship, a, a renewed conversation, an internal dialogue with the Holy Spirit. And you see, if because we're designed this way, either you're going to have a dialogue with the Holy Spirit and with God, or you're going to, by default, have a conversation with the spirit of the world. See, everybody has a conversation. See, y'all know what self-talk is? You know, the conversation that goes on inside of our minds? See, either that self-talk is under the dominion of truth and the Holy Spirit, or by default, it is under the, the dominion of the spirit of this world. 1 John chapter 4, verses 4 and 5 says this. He says, you are from God, little children, and have overcome them. And he's speaking about these spirits that are in the world. Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Now, here's what John says. They are from the world. See, these are voices. These are entities. These are spiritual sources that speak into our minds. They speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. See, they're from the world. They speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. So someone that isn't aligned with Jesus They're having a conversation with the spirit of the world, which is a spirit of rebellion to God. It promotes everything that the Bible says don't do. See, that's what a person is under, that dominion. And so when Jesus removes us from the domain of darkness, he gives us the potential to carry on this precious inward conversation with God. And through that, he will use you just like he used Jesus. And Jesus said, apart from me, I can do nothing. See, Jesus recognized, I, I can't do anything apart from God. And, and if Jesus could do nothing, how much can we do? Less than nothing, zero, zilch, nada, you know, nothing. And you, and you guys, the, the ability to walk in the spirit begins with an understanding of how needy we are. See, if I think I can do it myself, I think, well, I've, I've got what it takes to do these things. You, you won't really do anything for God. It's only those who realize their utter dependence on the Holy Spirit and under their, their dependence on the Word of God. Those are the people that God uses. Uh, John, or in the Gospel of John, John 15 and verse 5, Jesus reiterates this thought when he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. See, the secret of fruit bearing is to carry on this dialogue with the Holy Spirit. And he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. See, just like a branch, if you cut a branch off, it dies, doesn't it? It doesn't produce any more fruit. And the same with us. If we get cut off from, from the presence of the Lord, we cut we get cut off from the life of Jesus, then, then nothing happens in our lives either. So Jesus calls us to be junior partners In this mission called the kingdom of God. He's the senior partner. He's the strategist. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, which is the command center of the universe. And he calls us to cooperate with his plan. And he's given us the incredible privilege of partnering with him as he wants to reach every person on the planet. Isn't that what Jesus wants to do? He loves everybody. It's his will that no one go to hell. In fact, if Jesus had his way, hell would be not populated at all, except with the devil and his angels. See, that's the Father's will. And so we join with Jesus in this incredible redemptive mission as we become his hands expended, we become his mouth, we become his pocketbook, we become his voice. See, we all of the things that we do, we are representing Jesus as Jesus draws people into a place of fellowship with him. Now, how did Jesus know what the Father was doing? Let me suggest three ways to you. The first way is Jesus saw the Father working. See, somehow Jesus had eyes to see what the Father was doing. I love the story from, from the first chapter of John. Jesus is in the process of calling his 12 disciples how many of you know that that was a pretty important decision, wasn't it? Because the whole future of the church was based on the performance of these 12 men. And, and Jesus wanted to get it right, didn't he? And that's why he spent all night in prayer seeking the Father, saying, Father, you sure Peter is the right choice? He, he's, he's kind of flaky. You know, is is this really the right thing? See, Jesus got confirmation as he prayed all night. And then he went out and he began calling the 12 disciples. And I love it. See, Jesus was so captivating. There was something so magnetic about him that when he pointed at you and says, I want you to follow me, what did everybody say? Yes, sir. They said yes. You know, Matthew left his tax collecting stuff and his money and, and went and followed Jesus. Peter says we left the boats and the nets, which was their livelihood, they left it all, and they followed Jesus. So Philip was one of the ones that Jesus called. And so Philip heard that call and said, Philip, I want you to follow me. Well, Philip is really excited, so he goes back where his brother Nathaniel is resting under a fig tree. And he's all excited, and he says, Nathaniel, I've found the Messiah. This is the one the Old Testament promises, and it's Jesus of Nazareth. Nathaniel is not real impressed, and he says, "Can any good thing come out of Nazareth?" And, and Philip wisely said, "Come and see." See, you guys, we we can invite people to come and see the life of Jesus in our midst. And, and, and as we have, this is our this will be our thirteenth year for summer job project. We have about twenty five students that we accept, and as we gather together. Because we come from all over the country. We don't know each other. So we spend the first week getting oriented. And we share each other's stories. Because we want to get to know one another. And part of that is is sharing your testimony. And part of that is how did you get connected with Chi Alpha. And and more times than not, I hear this spoken by students. Maybe I was a believer when I came to college. But I came to Chi Alpha and I saw something different. I saw people Loving one another. I saw people serious about the Bible. I saw the presence of God in people. And that's why they stayed with Kaiapha because it wasn't like going to uh, the, the young Republicans or Democrats, because it, it wasn't a natural phenomena. It was a spiritual phenomena because the presence of the Lord is with us. And you guys, that's 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 one of our trump cards, is you invite people into fellowship with you. You're inviting them to experience the life of Jesus as they see it lived out as we love one another. And so Philip said to Nathaniel, he said, well, you're skeptical, come and see. So they went together and they found where Jesus, this itinerant rabbi, was preaching. And as they approached them, Jesus said to Nathanael, he said, look, you are a man in whom there is no deceit. And, and that rocked Nathaniel. It's like, what? Because, see, Jesus was reading his mail. Jesus knew his heart. And he said, you are a man in whom there is no deceit. And, and, and I mean, it shocked Nathaniel. And he said, surely you are the son of God. And then Jesus said, "Nathaniel, before Philip came to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Jesus saw things in the Spirit. Jesus was not a mind reader. That's a demonic, demonic phenomena. See, Jesus, in his relationship with the Father, he would see things. And God wants to open our eyes because he wants to show you things that are going on so that you, too, can effectively minister in his name. Let me give you a couple of examples. So every four years, we have a World Mission Summit have any of you been to the World Mission Summit? Yay, great time. We have another one coming up in 2021, in January of 2021. So if you're still around, make plans to go. That's incredible. I think it's in St. Louis this year. So I always volunteer because when you go to the World Mission Summit, each of the meals, you get to sit with real live missionaries. And I'm a missionary to the campus, so I always volunteer to have a table. And and before I go, I pray. I say, now, Lord, just, just, I want to minister to these eight or nine people that are going to sit at my table. I, I want to be able to really bless them and minister to them. So as the students came to my table, and you know, I'm introducing myself and we're getting acquainted, there was a, a, a lady that came and I saw a dark cloud over her. Now, not in the natural, but in the spirit. I saw this dark cloud over her. And so I knew the Lord was showing me something. So I, I said, Lord, what do, you, what do you want me to do about this? And the Lord said, as you, you are wrapping up and praying, and I like to pray for people as, as we wrap up the meal, and, I, and, the, and I, 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 the Lord said, when you pray for her, I want you to, to do warfare over her life. So I, so I got my job assignment. So I purposely started with the person on her right, went around the table, so I would finish with her because I knew there was there was going to be a deliverance that would take place. And before I prayed, I simply whispered in her ear, and I said, when you came in, I saw a dark cloud over you. Would you like me to pray for you? See, I didn't want to humiliate her. I I wanted to get her permission. If she would have said no, then I would have just prayed a prayer and been done with it. But she nodded her head and said yes. And so I began praying in the name of Jesus. And right away, the table, the students at the table recognized that there was warfare. So they came, they laid hands on her, and in in about 10, 11, 12 minutes, there was a deliverance, and she was set free. And when we were all finished, she testified. She said, it's so amazing how God knows us, and Jesus has set me free today. See, I simply saw what the Father was already doing. And you can do the same. See, you can learn to do these things. I was at a retreat. I was praying for people at the altar, and I came to lay hands on a young lady. And in, in my spirit, I saw her cutting herself. She didn't have scars on her arms, so it wasn't obvious just by looking at her. But the spirit showed me she was cutting herself. So I, as I went up to her, I just asked her a question. I said, are you cutting yourself? She looked at me and said, who told you? I said, Jesus told me." Jesus told me because he doesn't want you doing that. And she broke And I prayed for her, and the Lord touched her deeply. See, it's not because I'm spiritual. It's because Jesus loved that woman so much that this was the moment that Jesus wanted to set her free. You see how that works? See, it's not about us. We are just the UPS delivery boys and girls. That's all we are, you know. And you know how UPS works. You order something from Amazon, and a few days later, ding-dong, UPS guy comes, and he just gives you the package, doesn't he? And he does not sit there and watch you open the package. He goes on and makes another delivery. And see, that's what spiritual gifts are. You simply, in obedience to Jesus, see, Jesus puts something in your heart that you're to go and do something. Well, you go make the delivery, and then you let the person unpack it. See, God will take care of that, and all you are is the delivery person. There's a guy named Jesse who, when he was younger, he was in rebellion. His mom was a, a praying mother. And he was in a rock and roll band and just didn't want anything to do with God or church. And uh, they lived down in Texas near the border. And so this one night they decided to go across the border to across to a border town. And so nobody knew that they were there. I mean, they just did this kind of clandestinely on their own. And so his mom is praying and the Lord shows her that he is in a place he should not be. And, And the Lord gives her a phone number number so she calls that number and and, you know it's a a bar and a tavern and all that sort of thing and and she tells the owner you know i I, i'm 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 looking for jesse d looking for jesse d and he goes just a minute and so he makes this announcement jesse d is there a jesse d here and and jesse is is shocked he says no one even knows that i'm here and 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 his band members they were saying come on that's that's a call for you you better go answer well he just ignored it well the, the mom said, Do it again, do it again. So he makes another announcement. Is there a Jesse D in this audience? Silence. And finally, his mom says, Do it again. I know he's there. So he says, Is there a Jesse D in the audience? And, and by this time he was starting to feel conviction, like, I, I better answer this. And he goes and answers the phone, and says, Hello. And, and she says, You better get out of that hellhole right now because I'm praying for you. And he goes, Yes, mama, and left. And, he, and, and that, was, that was the trigger where he gave his life to Jesus. Isn't that amazing? See, God spoke to his mom, gave her a phone number, and it ended up changing this man's life tremendously. In the book of 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 15, remember Elijah and Elisha, two great prophets. And Elijah passed the anointing to Elisha because Elisha made this request of Elijah. He said, I, don't, I want a double portion. I want double of what you have. And so uh, uh, Elijah met the conditions, and he he was following Elijah. And then, remember, God came and took him up in a chariot? Oh, man. I want to see the instant replay of that. That That's pretty fun, doesn't it? And and Elijah was taken to heaven in a chariot, and he threw down his mantle. He threw that to the ground. Elisha picked it up because that was a symbol of the anointing of God. And Elisha goes to the River Jordan, and he said, where's the God of Elijah? And he slaps the water with that mantle, and supernaturally, the Jordan River opens up, and he walks across. That was the first miracle that he did. And it says that when the sons of the prophets saw Elisha, here's what they said. They said, we can see the spirit of Elijah resting on Elisha. See, they saw something, didn't they? They saw the anointing of the Spirit that had now been passed to Elisha. See, God wants to open our eyes to these things so that we know how to minister effectively. So a Kaiapha girl, she was in at a conference in North Carolina. And during the meals, they, they, you know, they met with people that, that were attending the conference. And she was sitting by a, by a, you know, a lady probably in her 60s. And, and they're, they're talking, and while they're conversing, this Caiapha girl has a picture, and it's of a handprint on this woman's face. It's just like a handprint. And, and she's wondering, what's that all about? And so as, as this woman continues talking, the, the Holy Spirit said, ask her about it. Ask her if that picture means anything to her. So at the appropriate moment, she says, you know, the Lord is just showing me a handprint Across your face. Does that mean anything? This woman bursts into tears. Because here's what had happened. About 10 years ago, she and her husband, he was a doctor. And, and, she, and, and she had a secretary. And this, he and the secretary handled all of the finances. So she really didn't know anything about, about the, the operation of the finances and all. And one day, she said, I came into the office, and they were looking over the books discussing something. So I came over, and I said, what are you both talking about? And my husband, uncharacteristically, hauled off and slapped me. And he said, never ask me about this. Of course, that, what a paralyzing thing to have happen. What a mean thing for a husband to say. And so she never brought up the subject again. Well, he died of cancer five years later. And now it's been five years since he died. She is still living with a broken heart and a lot of confusion. And God gives this girl a picture that means nothing to her, that means everything to this woman. And she prayed for this woman, and God healed her heart because the Father cares about the pain in our lives. You see how that works? And I'm not saying these things are going to happen immediately. I have been practicing for four decades and I'm getting a lot better at it now. But when I started, it was all very mysterious. I said, oh, Jesus, I got to teach me to do this. But, you know, step by step, he did. And he wants you to learn to operate on this level so that he can share with you supernatural information that, is, that are going to help people to be set free. So I want you to touch your eyes. Don't, don't poke your eye, but just touch your eye. I want you to pray this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus. Pray it out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, would you open my eyes so that I can see what Father is doing? Just as Jesus saw what you were doing, would you teach me to see what you are doing so that you can do your works through me? I receive it by faith in the mighty name of Jesus. Now, with your eyes closed, just, just want you to, you're going through your normal day here at Northern Iowa University. You, know, you have a routine, you've got classes. There's, there's, a, there's a familiarity to that. And I want you to just picture it's a normal day and suddenly you see something. It's like, what is that? And maybe that is a clue that the Father is giving you because he wants you to pray for someone. He's doing something because there's going to be a supernatural encounter with someone else. And he's going to use you. He has shown you this information for a purpose, and that is that you can be his minister. So, Lord, help us. Would you help us to grow in these things, Lord, that we can be used mightily and and in ways that glorify your name? thank you that you'll do that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So the second way is that Jesus heard his father's voice. See, Jesus was aware that the father was communicating with him. John 530 says, I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge. See, as I hear, I judge. That means Jesus heard the father speaking to him. You see, as, as a son and a daughter of the Father, one of your inheritance is that you get to learn to hear God's voice. And I stress learning because it is a learning process. There's many trials, many errors, and many stumblings. But if we persist, God will be faithful and he'll begin, you'll begin to recognize him speaking to you. And this is one of the things that we're going to deal with on Saturday Friday night and Saturday at the Father Heart of God seminar, is we're going to talk about the barriers and obstacles that really keep us from having an intimate relationship with God. We're going to be speaking to these things. You see, one of your inheritance is that you get to learn to hear the Father's voice. So here's a a Texas story. So there was a young man waiting at the airport for an incoming flight because he was picking up his friend. The flight was delayed, so in the waiting area... He had brought a book and and was reading his book, and he he prayed a dangerous prayer. He said, "Now, Lord, if you need me to do anything, I'm I'm available." How many of you know God works on the volunteer basis? Yeah, he says, "Okay, God. Lord, I'm volunteering for a service." And the Lord says, "I see that hand. See, that's how God works. You, you say, Lord, if you want to use somebody, I'm here. Yeah, choose me." So he's sitting there reading his book, and this impression came to him, and 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 the. The impression said, John, would you go over and stand in front of that pop machine and stand on your head? Well, his reaction was, I rebuke you, devil. Like, that cannot be God at all. He just dismissed it. Goes back to reading, but the impression came back. And then he said, Lord, if this is of you, make it stronger. If it's the devil, I rebuke it. That's a good way to test impressions. Well, it came back. And now he's reasonably sure that this is God. So now he had a choice to make. Is he going to take the risk and do something foolish? Or is he just going to blow it off and say, no way, I'm not going to do that? Thankfully, he chose to take the risk of obedience. And so he goes over to the pop machine, and he was of sufficient athletic prowess where he could actually stand on his head. And he did. There was only one other person in the waiting area. It was a businessman. And as soon as he got on his head, this businessman pops up, and he rushes over and in a rather gruff voice says, what are you doing? And John thinks, oh, no, Homeland Security. They're going to think I'm some kind of terrorist or something. I'm going to be in a heap of trouble. And, and as John is getting off his head and standing up straight, the Holy Spirit said, John, just tell this man honestly. This is why you did what you did. And, and he said, sir, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm learning to hear God's voice. And while I was sitting over there reading, I, I, I sensed the Holy Spirit telling me to come over here and stand on my head. And, then, and don't hit me, because this guy was really angry. Instead of being angry, tears came to this businessman. And he said, I've been on a search for God. I don't know if God exists, but I prayed a prayer to this God that I don't know if he's really there or not. But I told God this. I said, God, if someone would stand on their head in front of that pop machine, I would believe that you are real. Is God interested in showing himself to people? Absolutely. He wants to make himself known to people. And that's why when we learn to be led by the Spirit, we may well be an answer to a prayer that someone has prayed that is saying, God, if you are real, do something. And you may be the person that does that thing that makes no sense to you, right? makes no See, being led by the Spirit makes no sense to you. Standing on your head in front of a pot machine, that's foolishness, isn't it? Unless the Holy Spirit tells you to do it. And he was able to lead this man to the Lord because God proved that he was who he says he was. See, he's learning to hear the voice of God. So in one of our small groups, there's a guy named Mike Emery. And Mike Emery came from a Catholic background. And we had been talking about water baptism. And he... You know, he believed, his priest told him, and, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not dissing the Catholics through this, okay? This is just Mike's story. And, and he believed, the priest believed, no, you've been baptized as an infant. You don't need to be water baptized. Well, then he'd come and talk to us, and we, we tend to stress being, being baptized as a choice that you make. And when you're an infant, you can't make that choice. So we encourage Mike to consider being water baptized. And then he'd think, yes, I'm going to get water baptized. He'd go back home, and his priest would convince him, nah, I don't need to be water baptized. So for months, he's been going back and forth, back and forth. And as, as the small group leader said, no, we're just going to wait on the Lord here. And, 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 you, and everybody was just talking to Jesus privately. And Mike is just concerned about this water baptism issue. And so Mike prayed. He said, "Now Lord, I've gotta know. You got to know. I've got to know tonight. So he said, would you give me a sign? John, who was sitting next to Mike, as he was waiting on the Lord, the Lord spoke to him and said, John, I want you to go to the sink, get a cup of water, and drip it, not douse him, but drip it on Mike's forehead. That's a dumb leading, isn't it? That makes no sense, does it? Do you know that Jesus one time spit on the ground, made a little mud pie, rubbed it on a blind man's eyes? And then told him to go wash in the pool. That's pretty dumb too, isn't it? Except when the Spirit of God is telling you to do it. That blind man was healed. And Mike Emery had just prayed the prayer, Lord, I need a sign. The next thing he felt was a drop of water splashing on his forehead. And he opened his eyes and he says, I can't believe this. I just asked God for a sign about water baptism. And you dropped water on my forehead. Mike got his sign. He was baptized in water. And that experience, he proved to Mike that God was listening. And so God wants to teach you to hear his voice. Now touch your ears. Let's pray this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, would you open my ears so that I can learn to hear your voice and respond in obedience so that you can do your works through my life. I receive it by faith in Jesus' name. Now, in the same way, think about your day. You're going through your day. It's a normal day. Suddenly, you, you start sensing the Lord's saying, I want you to go talk to that person, or I want you to do this, what, whatever it is. See, you it's like God's breaking into your day and saying, would, would you go talk to that person? See, that's the Holy Spirit because he's learning to guide you. He's learning to touch you. And, and you're learning to be his person. So, Lord, help us to hear you better in Jesus' name. Now, the third way that Jesus knew is that he, w- he knew his father's heart. See, G- He knew the father's heart. John 8, 29 says, I always do what pleases him. See, the one who sent me is with me, and he's not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. See, when you know someone well, you know how to please them, don't you? You know what they like. You learn their love language. And it's really meaningful when someone does something for you or gives something to you that you've really been wanting. Doesn't that just speak volumes? It's like, wow, you knew that I've been wanting that, and you gave it to me. See, it just speaks volumes. And so as the more we get to know the Father's heart, see, the more we're just going to intuitively know this would please God. And as we let that motivate our lives, we we will enter into the works of Jesus because Jesus said, I only do the things that please the Father. So put your hand over your heart, and let's pray this prayer. Dear Father, I ask you to sensitize my heart so that I will know the things that please you and also the things that displease you. I want to be motivated by what pleases you, Lord. And I receive this by faith now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So this is what walking in the Spirit, see, is all about. And when when we live this way, we become UPS delivery people. We make divine deliveries because Jesus drops things in our hearts and we obey those things. Let me close with this story. One one of my associate staff people, his mother was working in a care center, you know, for, for elderly people, especially people that need nursing home assistance. So she worked in a care center. And she had been a faithful witness. She shared the Lord with the other staff, and she was really sought to make Jesus known in this place. Well, the rest home, or the, the care center, got word that this old, incorrigible man was being brought into the care center. And, and this man, his, his reputation preceded him as, as just being a, a cantankerous, angry, hard-to-manage person. And so the, the staff ended up assigning this, this, this hard case to Sharon. And so when, when Sharon heard about it, she just began to pray and say, okay, Lord, uh, you, I'm the one appointed to care for this, uh, this difficult individual. What do you want me to do? And as she waited on the Lord, here's what the Lord said to her. The Lord said, I don't want you to preach to him. In fact, I don't even want you to say anything to him except as needed in her professional services. But the Lord said, I want you to hum the old hymns of the church. I would have never thought of that, would you? See, Holy Spirit knows the heart of every person. So as she is caring for this this belligerent old man who nobody visits, he's alienated everyone, nobody comes to visit him, and he's he's just angry, and and, and she just doesn't react. And while she's caring for him, she's singing, singing, humming the old hymns of the church. Mm-hmm, 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 And he's going, <laughs> this goes on for three weeks. And one day he bursts out and he says, I don't think God can forgive me. And she said, I didn't say he could. And that opened a door where she shared the gospel with him. And this guy that's about an inch from going to hell and knows that he's lived a terrible life, Sharon was able to share the good news and he accepted Jesus and he died the next day. You see, if she would have come in there quoting scripture and, and preaching to him, he probably would have gotten so turned off, he would have gone to hell, wouldn't he? You see, God knew somehow that those old hymns, he must have had memories of going to church when he was little, and God used that to soften his heart and it became an opportunity for him to come to know the Lord. See, she learned to do what pleased the Father. So I want to challenge you tonight. I want to challenge you. This, this is what it means to walk in the Spirit. And, and God wants to use you to do these things. John chapter 5 and verse 20 says this, what the Father does, the Son does. The Father loves the Son and includes him in everything that he is doing. Do you know the Father includes you in this? You are not excluded. You are included. Isn't that good news? God says, hey, I want you to walk with me. I want you to work with me. And I want to use your life as my redemptive arms in the earth so that you can have the joy of seeing my hand at work. I'd like to invite you to stand. Sense the Lord really awakening this your generation, and and, and I've, I have got a an amazing book. It's called Mission Accomplished, and it's 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 a call to finish the Great Commission, and it's written by a man that has had incredible stories of adventure in the Kingdom of God, and and I'd like to give this book to someone, particularly if. if if you think, maybe God is calling me into missions, maybe somehow the Lord is, is speaking to me about full-time ministry. And if that's true, I'd like to give you this as a gift. Who would that be? Yes, then come and get it. I just wanna offer this to you as a gift. It's a tremendous read and, and you're gonna really be blessed by the stories. So I just want you to lift your hands to the Lord. See, Jesus was filled with the Father's love. Everything he did, he, he walked in the security and in the anointing of the Father's love. And wherever the Father went, Jesus went. And he wants to do the same through you. So Holy Spirit, we ask tonight that you will confirm the Father's love for each one of that you will just deeply touch us, Lord, in the core of our being, dispelling doubts, dispelling lies, dispelling insecurities, dispelling pain, Lord, that that has come into our lives, God. That we would have the confidence to know, Father, that, that you are going to use us and that as we walk in your love, nothing is impossible. So Jesus, would you seal Lord, the the challenge that you've put forth in our hearts tonight. We ask you to seal that in the mighty name of Jesus. And continue, Lord, your work on this campus. Lord, I bless Chi Alpha. I bless each student that is here, Lord God. I bless their witness on this campus. And I ask, Lord, you will make Chi Alpha fruitful to bring in a great harvest people on this campus tonight that in their heart they're crying out to God wondering what is the answer what is the meaning to life is there healing for me is there meaning for me Lord use this people to reach them I pray in the name of Jesus amen worship team